The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within. UnityOnlineRadio.org The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Executive Minister, Senior Assistant Minister, and the Director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Gary B. Wells is the Senior Minister. And the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. Today I'm starting a new series titled Seed Time and Harvest. This series uh, is based on the book by Neville or Neville Goddard. He wrote under the name Neville. And he wrote a book titled Seed Time and Harvest, which is a book of him giving metaphysical interpretations of the Bible or Bible stories or scriptures to help people recognize their own inner divinity. Now, Neville has become quite popular these days. He's obviously a author in the early and mid-20th century, and his work around imagination and how to manifest your good has become very popular these days. However, his initial work and his strength is taking, um, you know, complicated and not so complicated scriptures and bringing his own insight to them. And that's what I want to do today. So today we're going to start off with the first chapter, which is very short. But again, it lays a foundation for what we will be doing. Because over the next several weeks, we're going to drill down, not just with the material that's in this book, but we're going to drill down on what it means to understand seed, time, and harvest. So first of all, we just need to understand seed time. When we start talking about seed time, we have to recognize that seed time, when you go back to the agricultural, uh, in the agricultural context, is the time in which you intentionally plant the seeds for the crop you desire. I want to just repeat that. Seed time is the time where you intentionally plant the seeds for the crop or the harvest you desire. Now, when a person wants, for instance, collard greens, they plant collard green seeds. They want tomatoes, they plant tomato seeds. Not only are they intentional, about planting the seeds, but they can have different seeds planted in different lines right next to each other, you know, with a little space to be able to give the roots the opportunity to grow to produce the crop they desire. This is a great analogy when it comes to life because many times we are not intentional about the seeds or the with our seeds, the thoughts, feelings, the beliefs, the images that we carry in mind. When we're not intentional, we end up planting all type of thoughts, feelings, and beliefs into God's universal law through impressing our subconscious mind with things we don't really want. 
and being intentional about it. So we get a harvest or we get demonstrations or we get manifestations that are not necessarily consistent with what we say we want. So seed time and harvest is really important. So before we even jump into the book, before we start to dissect the information in the book, the first thing I want to challenge you to do is ask yourself, what type of seed thoughts have I been planting? What type of seed thoughts have I been planting? Because that makes all the difference in the world. You know, if if I was just reading something earlier today, and, you know, the author was talking about how people often have a negative response to feedback without learning from feedback. And I was just thinking in preparation of, for this lesson that that negative response to feedback is a seed. It was once a seed that got planted in consciousness, and now it's coming up as a harvest, as fruit. So when a person gives that person feedback, they can't accept the feedback because, because they have already conditioned their mind to make feedback mean something that it really doesn't. They can't learn from it. They can't use feedback as a teacher. They can't watch their results and look at their results as a teacher because they've already conditioned their minds to think something else. So this is why I want you all to be mindful about the thoughts you are planting, the feelings you are planting, the beliefs you are accepting. Because here's what it's all said and done is the truth that that we can't get around. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. And Sometimes we want to argue with what the heart, which what shows up at the harvest time, what shows up when the seeds have grown into the actual crop. In other words, we want to argue with the manifestations and the demonstrations, and we don't want to address the consciousness that produced it. So this podcast and this series focuses on the consciousness that produces the results. Results don't happen in a vacuum. There, there will always be a cause or causes mentally that, when accepted, will go forth to produce particular results. Again, you can't plant watermelon seeds and expect to get pomegranates. You can't plant grapefruit seeds and not expect to get grapefruit trees with grapefruits with grapefruit seeds in them to make more grapefruit trees. And we can't think lack. We can't be indifferent to our good. We can't stay in fear. We can't stay in frustration and and unforgiveness and anger and all of these things and expect to have a harmonious consciousness. And expect to have peace and health, joy, and prosperity. It just doesn't work that way. Where your attention goes, your power flows. Giving your attention to a thing is seed time. 
giving your attention to a thing is seed time. And I really want you to get this. Because if you get this, you can radically change your life. Radically change it. And I want to make sure that you get this mindset. So when you start talking about, again, seed time and harvest, every moment of your life, you're either planting a seed or reaping what you sowed. Every moment of your life. Now, you can say, well, some of this stuff I know I didn't plan intentionally. But as I've used this example many times on this podcast, have you ever driven past an empty lot that was paved with cement? And you come back a few years later and the the parking lot has weeds on it, debris on it, and you're like, man, that parking lot looks really different than it used to. Well, what happened? Well, life happened. Weather, wind, rain, heat, depending on where you are, like a place like Chicago, snow and with an ice causing expansion and retraction, uh, the winds blowing in the seeds so the weeds can get in the cracks, the weeds get in the cracks, next thing you know, the weeds are growing, causing more cracks, and before you realize it, you have a very damaged parking lot that used to be smooth and pristine, and now it's not. Well, guess what? That parking lot, maybe the parking lot owner didn't go and put debris in it or plant uh Seeds so weeds can grow through it, and so dandelions are popping up and all type of other type of weeds. But, and obviously, the owner didn't cause the, the, the weather to change and impact the parking lot. But because of lack of maintenance, it became that way. Where it's the same thing with us. If we're just going through life and not being intentional about the maintenance of our own consciousness, then Life will expose us to thoughts and beliefs that are not necessarily beneficial. We accept them at an unconscious level, and then we become a part of it. So there's individual consciousness and there's collective consciousness. Charles Fillmore uh, calls this collective, the collective belief of mankind race consciousness, race consciousness. And what that is is, primarily all of humanity's past thinking, good, bad, or indifferent. And to a certain extent, all of us are affected by race consciousness, all of us. Not some, all of us. Not some, all of us are part of the collective, whether the race consciousness has to do with with human race, things that the human human beings have accepted, or not, whatever we accept as a belief system, then we get to have. Uh, it can be around gender or sex. It can be around uh, race. It can be around nationality. It can be around identity or orientation. We accept beliefs, and then once we accept those beliefs, they play out in our life, world, and affairs. Some people now use the term collective consciousness uh, not collective consciousness, that's two or three more coming together in, that, in, in my name, scripture. Uh, the term I want to really use is um, 
is more collective in the context of beliefs that human beings accept. The the Joseph Murphy used to use the term the law of averages. Joe Goldsmith used to talk about the universal moral belief system. What do mortals accept is true. We have to be mindful that we're accepting beliefs and living out beliefs that are not true about your true spiritual nature. They're not true about God and they're not true about your spiritual nature. But they can be factual based upon what's showing up in the world. You have to be mindful and on guard to make sure that Nothing is being planted in your mind that you don't want to see played out in your life. Seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. Again, going back to the Apostle Paul, he wrote in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. Now, what does the God is not mocked part mean? That does not mean that God is some super personality that gets upset. What it's saying is God as universal law, God as divine law, is cause and effect. Or God as divine law means that what you hold in consciousness, what you say in word, what you do with your actions, will produce results that are consistent with what you think, feel, believe, say, and do. God is not mocked. That's universal law. If God is omnipresent, God as universal law is omnipresent. So even when you think you're getting away with it, you're producing a mental atmosphere that has to draw back to you that which is consistent with your own consciousness. What you radiate, you attract. So what we're going to be learning today from Neville, I mean Neville's perspective is how to work in alignment with that concept and how to transcend the regular, normal levels of human consciousness and function more from the level of Christ consciousness. Now, let me not have you believe that only by listening to a podcast you will just ascend to Christ consciousness. What I'm going to be doing is explaining to you what you can do to help you ascend in consciousness because I'm still seeking to ascend every day, to work on my spiritual development every day, to be a, a better person, not just humanly, but also to expand my awareness of my consciousness, of my spiritual nature, of the Christ idea within me every day. And the more I or you can realize the Christ of our own being, the more of God's harmony can show up in our lives. But more importantly, we will step into our power, that power to lordship over anyone else, but the power to have the authority and dominion promised in the book of Genesis over our own lives. This is key. So, again, why seed time and harvest? Because I want you to recognize that every moment of your life is seed time and harvest. You're either planting seeds for what will show up later 
or you are reaping the results of what you already saw. And it's real easy to become emotional or frustrated, angry or fearful about the harvest, about the results, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to take 100% ownership of what's showing up in my life right now, regardless of how the feedback is showing it to me, and I'm going to intentionally plant seeds that will produce the desires that I want. This is why Johnny Coleman used to always say, I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. It's just a profound statement. I am the thinker. I am the thinker. I'm more than what I think about. I'm more than what I believe. I'm more than what I feel. And you, you're even more than the thinker because the thinker is empowered by the spirit of God in you. But we're going to get to that later in this book. But I just want you to just have a mindset of just how deep this works. So Neville wrote that in, in this book, and we're going to jump right into it, on page 18, because he has a unique perspective about the Bible that I'm not saying um, is factually true but it's spiritually true. I want to make sure that I differentiate that. So he wrote, he, first of all, he, he quotes uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, page 17, that ye be not slothful, followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Great scripture. I'm going to read that scripture from a newer translation so you can get an idea about what is actually saying. I hope you got that, but I want to make sure. He wrote, it, this is the Revised Standard Version of Hebrews 6, 6.12, so that you may not become sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So first of all, their promises Promises, biblically speaking, mean that when you attain certain levels of spiritual consciousness, you get the results of those consciousness, of those levels of consciousness. In the Bible, they always just call that promises. God's promises, okay, but you have to be at a certain level of awareness of consciousness or understanding to be able to benefit from the what the the attainment of certain levels of consciousness will get you. So let's get back to the book. Page 18. Page 18 says, Many who enjoy the old familiar verses of Scripture are discouraged when they themselves try to read the Bible as they would any other book because, quite excusably, they do not understand that the Bible is written in the language of symbolism. I completely agree with that. There's a lot of symbolism, and that's why I teach, along with many others, a metaphysical approach to the Bible. I can teach it factually, literally, historically. Uh, I actually can teach it really well. But my 
goal is to help people understand the symbolism of the Bible. Then he goes on to say, not knowing at all that all of his characters are personifications of the laws and functions of mind, capital M. You see the capital M that's talking about divine mind, God as mind, all right, the infinite intelligence, universal mind, okay? Again, not knowing that all of his characters are personifications of the laws and functions of mind, but the Bible is psychology rather than history. Now, let me stop here. It's not saying, so Neville just goes all the way to it because he's only concerned with the metaphysics. I don't want anybody reading this and say, okay, none of these people ever existed. But for the metaphysical thinker, for the metaphysician, one who studies the laws of spirit, whether characters existed or didn't exist are, are really secondary or is really secondary, secondary, is really secondary to what does it represent in me? What does it represent in humanity? What can I learn from it? What are the principles and laws that are being taught in these scriptures? For the metaphysical student of the Bible, the inner spiritual symbolism is what matters, not that anything else doesn't matter. But I just want to make sure that that's focused on and understood. Back to the book. So it says that the Bible is psychology. What does that mean? Rather than history. That means that the Bible teaches you how your mind works when you understand its symbolism. They puzzle the brain over it for a while and then give up. It is all too mystifying. To understand the significance of its imagery, the reader of the Bible must imagine imaginatively Awake. In other words, you have to awake the imagination to the truth. Now, let me just start off by saying that Neville Goddard was a big believer that imagination uh, was the was the Christ of Scripture. That was his position. From my metaphysical point of view, the Christ is God's idea of itself that also has the gift of imagination. So, um, you know, I have a way of doing it, teaching it, and he has a way. I'm going to try to explain his way, the way he taught it, and then if I feel as though I need to add any uh, of my own beliefs, I will add them. But I want to be in integrity with what he's teaching. So he goes on to write, according to the scriptures, we sleep with Adam and wake with Christ. That is, we sleep collectively and wake individually. He quotes the scripture, Genesis chapter 2, verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. Now, what is Adam, and what is the Christ? He wrote, if Adam, or generic man, is in a deep sleep, then his experiences that is recorded in the scriptures must be a dream. Well, let me just stop here for a second, because Adam, we've been conditioned to believe is just um, a name of one individual. But Adam literally means in Hebrew, humankind. Humankind. So in Adam, we sleep. In the humanness, we are not aware of our own spiritual potential, of our own human nature, of our own spiritual power, of our own many times purpose. We get glimpses of it, but I 
I don't think it's inaccurate to say that a large majority of humankind is functioning at the level of Adam, not at the level of Christ. I don't think that would be an inaccurate statement. Obviously, there's no way to collect that data. But just from observation and the stuff that is showing up, the things that people do to each other and themselves all over the world, I think that that could be a statement that can I can say with some level of confidence. If an Adam or generic man, if Adam or generic man is in a deep sleep, then his experiences as recorded in the scriptures must be a dream. Only he who is awake can tell his dream, and only he who understands the symbolism of the dreams can interpret the dream. Now, let me just stop here for a moment. So let me put this in the context of dream, meaning that in metaphysics there's reality and then there's existence. Things coming out of, in and out of existence, manifestation. Reality to the metaphysician is what is true about God. Is it eternal? Is it unchanging? You know, things like that, you know, eternal, timeless, in other words, can't be changed. That's real for a metaphysician. The dream is the belief that the physical world is all there is all there is, that your human personality and human body is all there is, and that there's not something or something or someone or 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 a presence that's bigger and beyond our concept of human life and life in general. We have to be mindful of that. We have to be very mindful of it. Adam Adam, or the generic man, functions at a certain level. Now, Adam was created to function at the highest levels. We're not going to get into that in this chapter yet, I don't think. We'll see how that plays out because we're coming up or running up on our break really soon. And I want to make sure that, you know, I, I get some points across about what does it mean to be the Adam man versus the Christ man. Uh, so we're going to take our first break or only break we'll be back in a few minutes with true transforms we're glad you found us this is unityonlineradio.org the voice of an awakening world Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. This is Galen McDowell. I'm in the midst of teaching or beginning a new series, E Time and Harvest, based upon Neville Goddard's book, or Neville, as he wrote under uh, a book of the same title, Sea Time and Harvest. Before I get back into the book, I want to just give my couple of quick commercials. First of all, you can connect with Christ Universal Temple by going to our website, www.cutemple.org, or you can follow us on Facebook, which is more interactive. Most of our stuff is on Facebook. We have some Instagram things, but 
Facebook is where you would really want to go to stay connected. Um, our Sunday service is in person or over uh, or live stream. In Chicago, we would love for you to stop by. If you want to watch us on the live stream or watch it later, you can go to our YouTube page, which is CU Temple, the letters CU and Temple together, and see not only the, the, the live or latest sermon, but also an archive of years of, of Sunday services and service. You can also watch on our Facebook page, Christ Universal Temple. We also have Noonday Lessons, Monday through Friday, which for the year of 2022 will all be based upon Reverend Wells' book, Live Happy, which is 365 lessons about how to live happy. So you definitely want to tune into that. And I want to remind you that I have a class. I'm, my class is not the only class. The Johnny Coleman Institute. If you go to the church website, cutemple.org, go to classes. You can, you'll see a list of classes that you can still take. Registration is still open. Find a class that works for you. I'm teaching the class, The Secret of the Millionaire Mind, which is a, a series that I did some years ago. But if you want to do a deeper dive into that material, into that book, I would strongly suggest that you register for a class, for the class. It's tonight, 6.30 to 8 p.m. Central Time, and that's the time it is always. It's a 12-week class. This week is week two. So you still have an opportunity to jump in, do what you need to be able to do. Go to cutemple.org, register, and get your information, and join me tonight. You definitely want to be involved with it. So um, also, I wanted to remind you that uh, Reverend Wells has a Facebook Live uh, show called Truth Transforms, 7 p.m. Central Time. All you have to do is look up at Rev Derek Wells. It'll pop up. Or Derek Wells, it'll pop up. And CUT is transitioning in February, Christ Universal Temple, to a new series titled uh, Laws of Love. So if you want to learn how to express and understand love at all areas as a spiritual faculty in your communication with others, in your interactions with others, don't miss that series. All right, so let's get back to it. Seed time and harvest. I was on page 19 talking about the Adam man and the Christ man because this is one of the things that the Apostle Paul did often. Now, as a metaphysical Christian teacher and minister, I don't take those scriptures uh, um, literally about, you know, it was a literal Adam that lived 6,000 years ago in a literal garden, with a literal Eve, with a literal serpent. I don't believe that, but I believe in the symbolism of it. Because Adam not only symbolizes the generic man, or the generic, or, or just humanity as a base. And uh, no, I don't want to get into that right now. And uh, the Christ symbolizes not just the G man Jesus, a historical Jesus, but it represents God's idea of itself within humanity. When we understand that contrast, now we can really deal with it. If Adam represents my thinking, and my thinking has fallen or descended out of the level or awareness of the Garden of Eden or Paradise or the higher spiritual consciousness, then I have to get the results that are consistent consistent with my descended consciousness. So what we are seeking to do is rise 
up to the level of the Christ consciousness within us so we can better express this Christ mind in our everyday lives. And if it was easy to do, everyone would do it. But I'm not going to say it's easy to do because the Apostle Paul gave us actually the formula for it. And, and the formula is not easy. The formula is I must die daily. Now, I really want you to get that. I must die daily. How do I achieve the Christ consciousness? I must die to who I think I am, to my own personal beliefs, to my own sense of identity. We built this persona up, and the ego was very invested in it. Into this illusion of the of the atom or humanity or individual that we think we are, we build our whole thought structures around who we think we are. But to attain the Christ consciousness, I or you must die to who we think we are. Daily, I live, not yet I. Christ lives in me. That's what the Apostle Paul also wrote. So we look at Paul's writings metaphysically, not literally. And I'm not saying you don't have a right to read whatever you choose to read literally, but as a metaphysical Christian, I'm teaching it from a metaphysical standpoint. When you understand what he was writing metaphysically, when you represent it, look at it as symbolic of your own inner being and the laws and principles of spirit, then you can see why it's necessary to die daily and why everybody's just not walking around here demonstrating life like Jesus because very few people are willing, willing to really cut the cord of human consciousness and really accept the Christ of their own being. Again, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's attainable. Why? Jesus said in the Gospel of John, these works I do, you can do, and even greater works than these. That's easy to say, okay, that's just talking about miracles and, you know, demonstrating good and provision. Okay, that's one level of it. The other level of it is I attain these levels of consciousness and so can you. All right, back to the book. All right. So then he quotes, never quotes Luke chapter 24, verse 32, and it reads, And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within, uh, within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? So never goes on to write. Bible is a revelation of the laws and functions of mind, capital M, expressed in the language of that twilight realm into which we go when we sleep. Uh -huh. I'm going to read that again. The Bible is a revelation of the laws 
and functions of mind expressed in the language of that realm into which we go when we sleep. In other words, the Bible is written in human language with human characters and human metaphors so human beings can understand it. He goes on to write, because the symbolic language of this twilight realm, in other words, the illusion and delusion of that makes us believe that this physical realm is all there is, instead of the effect of the spiritual and the mental. He's calling that this twilight realm. Because of the symbolic language of this twilight realm and is much the same for all men. The recent explorers of this realm, human imagination, call it collective unconscious. But then it gives you the purpose of this book. The purpose of this book, however, is not to give you a complete definition of biblical symbols or exhaustive interpretations of its stories. Now, if that's something you want, I would strongly suggest that you get the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary by Unity, uh, The Revealing Word by Charles Fillmore, uh, the trilogy of books by Elizabeth Santerna, which we teach in the Johnny Coleman Institute, Let That Be Light is the Old Testament, Your Hope of Glory is the Gospels, and Be Transformed is Acts to the Book of Revelation. Those will give you great insight. There are other people who have written books on metaphysical Bible interpretation, like Wisdom for a Lifetime, which is the new version now, uh, which I love and use by Alden Studebaker, which I had a whole show with him a couple of years ago about the book. And Jack Addington's uh, also has a book called, um, I don't remember the name of it right now, off the top of my head, because I don't have it in front of me. But the idea behind it, the hidden, hidden mystery of the Bible, I had to image the, the cover of the book in my mind. Those books will help you understand the symbolism. And from my understanding of some of the things I read that Neville actually loved the Metaphysical Bible Interpretate, uh, the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary. That was a compilation of Charles Fillmore's writings uh, and other Unity authors um, by Unity. Anyway, so let's get back to it. Let's get back to it. Are you ready to work with this concept that life is more than you think it is. That you can work with your consciousness and produce results well beyond what you think is possible for you right now. So all I'm asking you to do as we go through this series is accept the possibility that you are a creator of experiences. That you have the power to change your life. You have the power to radically change your life because your true nature is the Christ, God's idea of itself. Now, we read, go on and read the last page of this chapter. This chapter is exceptionally short. The others are not as short as this. So he goes on to write, all I hope to have done is to have indicated the way in which you are most likely to succeed in realizing your desires. So why is this book, Seed Time and Harvest, so important? 
because it's the book that will help you realize your desires, okay? So I want to read this particular scripture, and I want you just to have it in mind as you are working with this material because it does make a difference. It's Mark chapter 11, verse 24, and it reads, so I tell you, this is Jesus, attributed to Jesus. So I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Again, so I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, can you accept the possibility that when you are asking, and ask doesn't mean beg or please, ask means in this context, claim, no, or no, you know, even to a certain extent, demand. But let's just go with claim. Whatever you claim in prayer, believe or accept is true that you have received it, that you already have it, and it will be yours. So Jesus is saying, and Neville teaches this in many different ways in all of his books, that you have to accept what you're praying for as a now reality, and you have to see that in your imagination. You have to accept it in faith. This is why Neville wrote in another book, man's faith in God is measured by his confidence in himself. Really want you to get it. Man's faith in God is measured by his confidence in himself. All right, back to the book. Okay? So he wrote, what things soever ye desire can be obtained only through the conscious, voluntary exercise of imagination in direct obedience to the laws of mind. Miss that. What things soever ye desire can be be obtained only through the conscious, voluntary, uh, conscious, voluntary, conscious, voluntary exercise of imagination and direct obedience to the laws of mind, capital M. Okay? So if I'm imaging that which I don't desire, if I'm allowing the world to give me my own imagery instead of me giving myself my own imagery or allowing spirit to give me my me the imagery I need, then I am uh, I am basically like a doctor practicing uh, not practicing but in this really in this space of malpractice mentally. It's mental malpractice. When you're not consciously and voluntarily exercising or using your imagination to see the greater good, the greater desire, the wholeness of God, the peace of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the abundance of God, the help of God, that is malpractice, mental malpractice. All right? And we're seeking to get the state of consciousness that will allow us to be able to produce the good we desire. That's not so what you image. So he wrote, somewhere within this realm of imagination, there is a mood, a feeling, 
a wish fulfilled, which, if appropriated, means success to you. So we have to search and mind for that mood, for that feeling, for that desire, for that conviction, for that expectation. All right? This is really important because, you know, Reverend Ike used to say, feeling gets the blessing. But I'm a big believer that he got that from Neville because Neville called it feeling is the secret. But however way you use it, you have to have the appropriate feeling. So then he goes on to say, if you get it, you get the success. You get the success. Then he wrote, this realm, this Eden, your imagination. So now he's comparing the Garden of Eden to your imagination. It's vaster than you know and repays exploration. So as you play with your imagination and seek to get images of spiritual holders, again, of abundance, of peace, of of higher spiritual levels of consciousness, you will get the rewards of that exploration. Or if those are the seeds that you're planting, that's the type of harvest you will get. I want to make sure you understand that. I want to make sure you get that in a real way. What are you, how are you using your mind? How are you using your mind? Again, it's saying, yet again, Eden, your imagination, is faster than you know and repays exploration. One of the things that we have to be mindful of is one of the reasons why we meditate and pray and visualize and visioning. Visualization and visioning our forms of of meditation, just like you know, transcendental meditation and uh, contemplative meditation. They're just different forms of or ways of meditating. But the pur- purpose of meditation, besides the fact that it calms your body and it calms your mind, it helps you get focused. You know, it can lower blood pressure and heart rate, and, and you know, you know, it, can, it has all these great health benefits. And, and mindfulness benefits, you know, meditation and mindfulness, you know, it, you know, those two terms are being used a lot now with psychiatrists and psychologists to help people understand and mental health professionals to help them un- help people understand how to focus their mind and concentrate on their good and relax themselves. But beyond all of those things, what meditation really does is help you explore the depths of your own spiritual nature. How can you touch the higher levels of the Christ mind in you? Meditation, consistent meditation, will will show up as consistent revelation and eventually consistent realization and eventually consistent manifestation when when 
you have some level of intention around it. So in other words, I'm not just doing this to get the health. I'm doing this because I'm trying to understand myself as a spiritual being and as a mental being. I'm seeking to understand how my consciousness works. I'm going into a deeper level to where the grace of God is feeding my soul. This is why people have images and things of that nature. I was talking to, uh, you know, my baby brother yesterday about these things, about, you know, visions and dreams. That as you develop your spiritual nature, you start to recognize uh, more visions and dreams. You'll start getting insight, revelations, visions. You'll have dreams that, 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 and visions that many times can predict what's coming down the pike of life. In other words, can predict to a certain extent things that will happen that haven't happened yet. And it'll allow you to see things that are not necessarily seen by the Adam man or the generic humanity or, or the basic levels of human consciousness. The crisis is supposed to see things that the average person can't see. The Christ is supposed to do things that the average person can't do. And you get to choose to be the average person or the Christ by your spiritual practices. Now, if a person is just new to this podcast and you're hearing this and you hear me talk this um, simply about words like Christ and you have a lot of attachment to that word wrapped up only in the human man, Jesus, um, please recognize that there's no bigger fan of Jesus than me. The issue comes into play as a metaphysician is that I don't limit the word Christ, Jesus' humanity. In other words, it wasn't Jesus' last name because the word Christ in Hebrew means anointed or to anoint. All right? So if a person was called anointed, they were called the, the Mishiha, Messiah. And we use the word Christos, and that's how we got the word Christ. So we get caught up in terminology, but understand what it's saying, that you have been anointed and appointed and empowered to live in the consciousness of the Christ or of your true spiritual nature. When I first came to Christ Universal Temple, within a year or so, I can remember uh, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman starting a new series, and she taught it for about three months. And the name of the series was, You Are to Be Equal with Jesus. And I can remember when I first read the sermon title, I mean, sermon series title, I had an inner reaction. It bumped up against, because I'd only been there for maybe a year or so. And even though I had made some wonderful demonstrations, including a spiritual healing from asthma, I still had a lot of, unbeknownst to me, a lot of old fundamentalist Christian doctrine in my soul that when I bumped into you must be equal with Jesus, it stirred it up. When I, when she would go through the sermons, individual sermons in that series, and she would just say the statement over and over again, you ought to be equal with Jesus. It would stir it up. It would stir it up because, you know, as a, as a growing up with around Pentecostal, sanctified folks, Baptist folks, uh, I was raised that you praise Jesus 
And you lift Jesus up. You don't lift yourself up. She she was saying to us, you are to be equal with Jesus. It took some time for me to really play with it. For her to say to us as a congregation, you are the Christ. I am the Christ. Christ is God's idea of himself. That's how she would say it. But if if you're ready to walk beyond and live beyond and think beyond, the normal levels of human consciousness and walk with me during this series and just accept the possibility that you're more than what you think you are. Don't believe everything you think about yourself, humanity, God, or life. This opportunity is well before you. So I'm going to suggest that you get the book Seed, Time, and Harvest by Neville and go through this series with me. I'm sure you can get the book on Amazon. The publisher is Divorce and Company if you need to get it directly. Make sure you get the material. Let's study it together, and let's see what's revealed. Because trust me when I tell you, this is an amazing opportunity. So I'll be with you next week. God bless you. Enjoy your day. I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Take care. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.